Hello and welcome back to Across the States, the premier state policy podcast, courtesy of the American Legislative Exchange Council. I'm your host, Matt Fisher, as always, and today we have two special guests with us to discuss the ongoing agricultural shortages as a result of the war in Ukraine and more. First, Representative Phil Green of Michigan's 84th District joins us today. He is the chair of the Alex Subcommittee on Agriculture. Representative Green, welcome to Across the States. Great to have you on today. Thank you, Matthew. It's a pleasure to be on, and it's always uh, great to have the opportunity to talk with fellow legislators and private sector partners on uh, issues affecting agriculture. Absolutely. We appreciate your membership and Alec and you coming on to join with us, to join us today and to discuss this more in depth. And also joining us as well is the director of the Energy, Environment, and Agriculture Task Force for Alec, Joe Trotter. Joe, welcome to Across the States. This is your first time, I believe, correct? It is. Thank you for having me. Hey, welcome to the program, man. It's great to have you on. Hopefully the first of many podcasts we do with you and your task force members. Now, let's set the stage for our listeners what we're talking about today. Obviously, the war in Ukraine has dominated the headlines lately. We've seen numerous horrific accounts of atrocities going on between on the part of Moscow in the invasion, the illegal invasion of Ukraine. But one of the headlines that's starting to really hit home for many Americans and also around the world are the global reverberations of the ongoing war. Now, in fact, uh, Carla Jones, Senior Director of the ALEC Task Force on International Relations and Federalism, and you, Joe, you authored a recent article that was released on the global reverberations for agriculture industry on the horizon. And in this article, Carla Jones and you specifically highlighted a lot of the down the road and, you know, these impacts that we're feeling in terms of the food supply and more, the impact on agriculture. Tell us what your article is about and what we're seeing right now in the agriculture sector globally and in the U.S. So Russia and Ukraine both have huge, huge agriculture implications on the entire world world food market. Uh, Russia and Ukraine both account for nearly one third of all wheat and barley exports. Uh, they're the large, the largest producer of sunflower oil, and Ukraine actually exports about twelve percent of all food calories consumed on global markets, and nearly forty percent of these exports go to the Middle East and Africa. Wow, so Ukraine. And it's it's not just crops. Uh, Ukraine is a major, well, it is crops. Ukraine is a major supplier for feed for domesticated livestock. So we're beginning to see increase in prices for, uh, you know, chickens, pigs, etc. A lot of the, the fiercest fighting is happening in the, the very fertile regions. It's the area known as the breadbasket of Europe. And they're, they're, Aside from the international implications, domestically, we're, we're seeing increases in prices for fuel and other agriculture supplies, such as um, nitrogen, fertilizers, phosphates, etc. So, Representative Green, you, in, in addition to being a state legislator, you are also a farmer, correct? I grew up on an 80-acre farm in Tuscola County, which is the Thumb area of Michigan. Now for many actual farmers, an 80 acre farm is sort of the quintessential postage stamp. But to modern farmers, a 80 acre farm is more like a lawn to them than it is an actual farm. Uh, several of our farms are three, four, 5,000 acre farms. So I would not say that I'm a farmer. I grew up with livestock. I grew up uh, baling hay and uh, planting corn and such like that, but never, uh, uh, I would not consider myself uh, as some consider themselves a farmer. Understood. But uh, how do you see this crisis impacting farmers in the United States? Well, just last night, I had a conversation with 
uh, several um, at a sort of <clears throat> sort of a round table. And uh, I guess one of the things that's going to affect us the most is, yes, the price of wheat has gone up exponentially, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but understand the majority of people, the, almost all the farmers, have already allotted their land on contract as to what they're going to grow. And then for wheat, so you plant the wheat in the fall. It's called winter wheat. And then it's there. And right now the fields are starting to green up. They're going to grow and they're going to um, end up you know, being ready to harvest uh, end of June, 1st of, 1st of July-ish. So it's not like they can allocate any more land to wheat, which, you know, gives us a little bit of a ripple effect, right? So right now we see that there's going to be a demand, but we can't do anything about that demand because we can't plant any more wheat. Um, and then as well, uh, it's going to, uh, if they could, it would pull away from their soybean or their corn crops. So this is going to have an effect come fall. Um, even more so as uh, the Ukraine and uh, Russia are not able to harvest their wheat and then get that onto the processing. Um, other things that are that they are dealing with uh, locally is uh, the cost of fertilizer. Um, it's just absolutely going through the roof. And uh, so as we discussed this, we had conversation with our Congresswoman, Lisa McLean, and uh, uh, amazingly enough that in Washington, D.C., I'm told that they are actually talking about increasing domestic um, fertilizer. And it's this one of these things you can, you know, blow me over with a feather uh, concept of you mean having a, uh, a market that is independent of global fluctuations because we can do it here in America actually produces stability. It, that's just a radical idea, I guess. Um, so they are talking about increasing their uh the capacity to produce uh, the fertilizer uh, in the country and that which should do it. But then as well, we have uh, other major issues of, uh, we talked about with our uh, SNPs program, uh, I wanna say in 2020, uh, the, our SNPs uh, conference, um, what about the logistics? And many of our farmers are having just a, a tremendously difficult time of uh, transporting, uh, getting trucks on the road. And so many of our farms have uh, actually started purchasing their own semi-trucks and hauling their own uh, commodities around. So uh, there's a, been a huge reshuffling. And uh, uh, a lot of this just, in my opinion, centers around a government regulation and governments trying to regulate everything to death. And, and we can even get farther into why are we struggling to have truckers? Well, there's a new rule that came out that said in order to get your CDL license, you have to take a five-week course at an approved truck driving school. Well, again, it doesn't seem the smartest thing in the world to add regulation onto an industry that is already struggling to find, um, you know, to uh, fill the holes. And so the more government intrudes into our world and our life, uh, the more we seem to see the uh, the effects of just a negative destruction of our economy. So what do you think, as a state legislator, if you had to offer advice to, to other state legislators, wh what can you do to help ease these burdens? 
Well, I think we have to start out with the premise that governments do not solve problems. The government does not solve a problem. And so often I'm here in Lansing and uh, the government has created a problem and now the government is going to try to solve the problem. And it just gets you in this maddening mess of uh, never ending uh, job security for people trying to solve government, solve real problems through the government. So um, the best thing that we can do in almost every situation is to get government out of the way. Um, so while uh, the stakeholders or the special interests or the lobbyists, whatever your uh, local uh, state government calls them, uh, whether the stakeholders come in and say, hey, we need this little tweak and this will help open things up. Many times I have found that those little tweaks actually protect the stakeholders. They don't open up markets. They sort of close down markets. Um, so I think we need to be aware of that. Second thing is, if your state has not, and we, we talked a little bit about this, I think, in the future here. I know in your article it talks about it. But if your state has not opted into the waters of the U.S., do everything you can do to fight to keep your state out of the waters of the U.S. And I know it's money from the feds, and that's actually a lot of the problem. So um, looking at ways to actively uh, make it easier for our communities and our farmers and our ag processors to do business um, is uh, just a major component of it. Yeah, I the forthcoming rule on waters of the U.S. is, is really huge. And under the Obama administration, uh, there were just huge issues with the EPA going after farmers left and right over what amounted to agricultural ditches and claiming they were navigable waterways. Um, so yep. make, make sure to- Mud puddles in the fields, mud puddles in the fields that now you cannot uh, farm it because it has a certain type of vegetation and um, they're doing those surveys via GPS, um, you know, looking at uh, um, the pictures off the internet and going, oh, look, it has that certain type of vegetation and uh, it's just really a mess. I, back when I worked uh, for the federal government, there were actually proposals to use drones with lasers to go ahead and, and measure property and turn around and use that for things like environmental check-ins. And it's easy to see how that kind of technology could go horribly wrong for the nation's farmers. Yeah, absolutely. So. I, we've, we've talked a bit about how impact farmers and, and a bit about how we can ease burdens, but um, I, for, for farmers, but um, I, how do you see this with sort of a long-term view of impacting just everyday citizens and residents? Yeah. Well, up in Michigan, we have this uh, pesky little business called Kellogg's. And, uh, you know, all of our cereal, right? Kellogg cereal. And uh, one of the major contractors that produces the wheat for Kellogg's is most of the thumb of Michigan, um, the star of the West Milling Company. And so as uh, the price of wheat goes up, then the price of our, <laughs> of our breakfast cereal is going to go up. Um, and so that's uh, different things that we need to be aware of. 
Uh, we've talked about inflation and, and inflation is the number one issue on almost everybody's mind right now. And this is going to continue uh, as our food prices go up um, because of transportation, because of um, the uh, looking to, as a gracious uh, country, looking to help support, uh, was it Sudan and Israel and um, Yemen and those uh, uh, African countries, um, we're going to want to help them. And we need to be aware that uh, that's, it's going to take a little bit more. Um, I think uh, another major impact is just going to be on the transportation infrastructure. Uh, as uh, we continue to shut down our own oil pipelines, as uh, we continue to make it more difficult to drill our own oil and then wanting to import it from Literally, let's say it, we're wanting to import it from our enemies. Um, as we continue to do that, it's going to cause the price of fuel to go up. And uh, here in Michigan, the price of diesel fuel, I think I filled up at $4.95. And uh, I have a car that gets 50 miles to the gallon on diesel. That's great. Uh, however, I don't think most semis get 50 miles to the gallon. I think many of them are happy if they get 10. And so as those things continue to uh, impact, uh, we're going to have we're going to see not only the farmers, but also the processors as they are looking at uh, drying the corn, drying the wheat, uh, all of them having to make some very tough decisions that are going to have a major impact on our pocketbooks, as well as food availabilities uh, in our stores across the country. All very good points. I just want to add from Michigan front. Uh, Michiganers are, are facing some issues when it comes to importing natural gas from Canada right now. Correct. The, the governor is trying to shut down the Line 5 Improvement Project. Uh, we are struggling to keep uh, the Line 5 open. Uh, roughly 60% of, um, of, of the people in the UP, or I think in the state, use propane to heat their houses. And almost exclusively, the UP people in the UP use propane. And shutting down Line Five is going to completely obliterate how uh, the propane is is moved. Uh, I believe it is something like, and if anybody's from Michigan or a what vacation in Michigan, it was going to be something like a hundred trucks, a hundred propane semis crossing the Mackinac Bridge a day. I don't think that's a national security issue, though, but uh, that's, I'm being a smart aleck there. Uh, but having 100 semis cross the Mackinac Bridge a day with propane is a major issue. But then, is likewise, it works its way down into the Sarnia uh, refinery and then down into the South Detroit refinery for Marathon. Um, and uh, it's going to have a major impact. And uh, thankfully, uh, the country of Canada has invoked their treaty with the United States. And uh, so we are keeping uh, that flowing for right now and uh, looking to build, uh, continue working on building the tunnel to completely encapsulate the, uh, uh, the, the line as it goes through the Mackinac Straits. Well, I, we here at Alec are keeping an eye on that. So it's, it's interesting to see how it'll go. And as, as we mentioned earlier, Earlier, Carla Jones and the International Relations Task Force are heavily involved in these issues. Yes. You know, another thing with that, Joe, I'll just toss it out. And um, there's an article in the Detroit News today, and 
in my district, we had people break into the line five uh, valve station and said, if the police aren't going to enforce what the governor said to do and shutting the line down, we are going to help the police shut down the line. And they actually turned some, I think it was a four different spots, turned valves off of line five, causes some major problems. But the environmental justice people are taking it into their own hands to um, enforce what they want to enforce. And I, it is causing some major friction. Um, and uh, it's not good when stuff like that happens to our major uh, pipelines that are, um, well, we'll say they're transporting fuel, they're transporting gas, and uh, they are, they're very volatile uh, in those things. So uh, a lot happening on the environmental justice front here in Michigan as well. Representative Green, thank you for coming on and talking about these important issues. And thank you for working so closely with me on the Energy, Environment, and Agriculture Task Force. And uh, thank you for chairing the Ag Section. It's great to have you on. It's a pleasure to be on, Joe. It's a pleasure to work with you all and look forward to creating great policy that will move our agriculture world forward in America. Indeed, Representative Green, thank you for joining us across the state. It's always a pleasure to have you on with us. Um, hopefully, this isn't the first time. Hopefully, it's one of many, and you as well, Joe. It's been great to have you both on discussing this issue and how we can help support rural Americans and the agriculture sector in the midst of this crisis and more. And thank you to our listeners, finally, of course, for joining us across the states. Be sure to tune in again later this week for more of the Premier State Policy Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Fisher, as always, and I'll see you all later. Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Alec States. The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council.